Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, I do encourage you to do so so you don't miss an episode. You can subscribe using your favorite podcast software, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or the Amazon Music app at Amazon.com slash OTR Detectives. Also, be sure and check out our newest t-shirt, the Famous Investigator shirt, available at Famous.Great detectives.net and we've got several great styles available for you wide variety of different sizes and colors but now let's get into this week's episode of i hate crime the original air date is 1950 and this will be episode 45 coffee lounge, a brunette. The coffee was good. The brunette, Mary, was tall, shapely, and easy to get along with. We were talking about inconsequential things. I wonder if there'll be another woman. The guy ain't good. He stood in the doorway, blotting out the street. Looked around, saw me, blinked, came to the table. Oh, I can't. Hi, Mike. Cup of coffee? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it's been nice seeing you. Now, as I was saying, uh, Mary... I can't. Huh? Nick. Well, what about Nick? He wants to see you. Okay. Tell him to go along to my office. Now. He wants to see you now. Look, I'm having some coffee later when I'm finished, maybe. Come I... on, Kent. Hey, you're rumpling the sleeve of my coat. Get on your feet. Mike, I, I don't like to be ordered. Come around. on. Okay, okay. Up I go, and <coughs> down you go. Oh, Mr. Oh, Mr. Kent, what's the please? My furniture's right now. Oh, you want me to take you to Nick the hard way, huh? Okay, Kent, get ready for it. I'm waiting. Here it comes. Oh, you shouldn't have put a stamp on it. Have a jab and a right. I like you, Mike. You go down so easy. Are you, uh, you getting up again, Mike? No, not this time. Yeah, it gets monotonous, doesn't it? Up and down, up and down. There'll be another time. Sure, Mike. It's always a pleasure. There's something you forgot, Ken. Oh, what's that? When he wants Nick's stroll, it can be tough. Maybe he'll decide to get tough with you. Now you tell Nick that if he wants to see me and his business is legitimate, all he's got to do is come to my office, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I, I tell him that. But maybe he won't like it. Good worker, Mr. Kent. You did not hurt none of my nice new furniture. Well, you can show your appreciation by getting us some fresh coffee, Louis. Oh, sure thing, Mr. Kent. I go there. Come here. 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 Come here
gosh, Ned. That was a quick thought. Well, I can't take much credit. Mike throws his punches in slow motion. He seemed anxious to take you to that man named Nick. Yeah, Nick Stroller. You know, I've heard that name somewhere. Nick runs a gambling ship. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a story about him and his yacht in one of the Sunday papers. Yeah. I wonder what he wants to see you about. Well, whatever it is, honey, it's trouble. Nick's that kind of a guy. Three hours later, in my office... Larry Kent, Private Investigation. Larry. How are you, Larry? Nick Strolley. Oh. Mike. Larry, you should see Mike. <laughs> I never saw a black eye like it. I'm sorry about that, Nick, but oh, Mike... I understand, Larry. I understand. You're the kind of bloke who doesn't like to be pushed around. Yeah, that's right, Nick. My fault. I should have picked a better way of getting in touch with you, Larry. Uh, listen, Harry, I'm in trouble. Oh? I want that you should come up to my flat, Harry, and have a nice long talk with me. Uh, how about that, Harry? Nick, uh, what kind of trouble? I'll, uh, I'll tell you when you get here. Oh, don't worry. I'll make it worth your while. You don't have to worry about that. You'll come, won't you, Larry? Uh, right away. Okay, Nick. That's my boy. You know where I live, Biltmore Arms, darling, her top mm. Oh, top floor is mine. When will I see you? As soon as I get there, Nick. Good, good, good. I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> so long, Larry. Twenty minutes later, I entered the Biltmore Arms building, took the elevator to the top floor. In front of me was an ivory door with a gold-plated buzzer. As I reached for the buzzer... Come in, Kenton. Thanks, Mike. Where's Nick? Hello? She had honey blonde hair, lovely ankles, and in between five and a half feet of beautifully developed territory. This is Lydia Wilson, Cut. Hi, Lydia. You're the private detective who's going to help Nick, aren't you? Well, I wasn't sure, but the odds are now heavily in favor of it. <laughs> uh, uh, Ken. Yeah? Lydia is Nick's girlfriend. I was looking at Lydia as Mike said it. Her eyes narrowed, an expression of annoyance crossed her face. Then she was smiling again. Fiance is the word, Mike. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, okay, Kent. Nick's waiting for you in his office. Lead on, Mike. This way. We went for a hike across thick carpet. The place was furnished expensively, but without very much taste. Mike stopped in front of an oak door. Come in. Uh, Kent to see you, Mr. Strahler. Ah, oh, Larry. Larry, come in, come in. Thanks. That'll be all, Mike. Right. 
Good to see you again, Larry. No, real good. I took Nick's plump pink hand. Nick was a little fat boy with a hooked nose, tiny eyes, fuzzy bits of brownish fluff for hair. Sit down, Larry. Have a seat. Ah, thanks. You want something? Help yourself from the cabinet next to you. All uh, right, Nick, let's get to the point. Now, what's bothering you? Somebody wants to kill me, Larry. Oh. Uh, twice they had to go. My car in the garage downstairs. One day it blew up. No kidding. Yeah, it just blew up with nobody even near it. There was a bomb inside. Yeah. Whoever put the bomb in the car made a mistake in the wiring. <laughs> Lucky for me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> then the other day, Mike and I were looking in the jewelry store window. We felt something go past us. We looked at the plate glass window and there's a perfect little bullet hole. <laughs> As we looked, another hole appeared in the window. Naturally, we just run as fast as we can. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> Have you gone to the police, Nick? Oh, the police? Mm -hmm. Me go to the police? Don't be silly. But you, Larry, are different. I've got a proposition for you. Yeah? Now, listen. I will give you 300 pounds a week for three weeks to guard me right around the clock. Yeah, but you've got Mike, haven't you? Mike? Well, Mike is loyal, but he's a dunderhead, a schluck. Look what you did to him this morning. <laughs> Nick, uh... Why do you want protection for only three weeks? Oh, because my gambling yacht is now being repaired. In three weeks, it will be ready for what? A trip. I'm going to South America to get away from the man who is trying to kill me. Uh-huh. You, uh, you must have some idea who this man is, huh? None whatsoever. Not even the slightest idea. I don't care who he is. Mm. All they want to do is get away from here alive. I tell you what, make it an even thousand, Nick. Why, all right, 1,000 pounds. So where do I stay? Why, here, with Mike and me. I have a nice room for you, Larry. <laughs> I feel so much better with you here, Larry. Oh, so much better. A week passed. During that week, I became very interested in Lydia. Though she did her best to hide the fact, she was a very unhappy girl. She had an apartment a block away. No relative. Just Nick. Dear, generous Nick. Yeah, you don't like him, do you? Why should I answer that? You're his bodyguard. How do I know how far I can trust you? And she'd walk away. As for guarding Nick, it was the easiest work I'd ever done. He hardly left the house. When he did, nothing happened, which suited me right down to the ground. If it hadn't been for Lydia, I'd have been perfectly happy, but she worried me. There were times when I'd catch her looking at me. She'd start to say something, bite her lower lip, and turn away. One afternoon, while Mike was out and Nick was in his room having his hair cut and his nails manicured... Larry. Larry, I've got to talk to someone. Sure, talk. Nothing Oh, now, Nick wouldn't look... Oh, hang Nick. Well, you've really got something eating away at you, haven't you? Yes. Come to my apartment, Larry, please. Honey, when Mike gets back, I'll ask Nick to give me a couple of hours off. I'll be waiting. Well, 
don't you see something? Later. Come here. The whole thing had been set up. That was obvious. The music, the filmy thing she wore, the way she looked at me, the heavy perfume she was using. One thing I hadn't been prepared for. The hunger. The real hunger in her kisses. Burst a blood vessel. I didn't even know it. Maybe having you just know how tortured I'd be. What made you become Nick's girl? Reasons, I suppose. Security. Are you going to break away from Nick, or will you make the trip with him? Uh, he hasn't lost me. And if he does? I don't know. I'm confused. You said you wanted to talk to me. Talking to me? Yeah, you led me to believe that you had something important to say. Uh, well, isn't this important? You and I being together. Hey, you're either a screwball or. I think I'll go back to Nick. Harry. Can't you stay Sorry, honey. There are things about you that I can't figure out. And when it's that way, you're better off leaving a day. So long. After a couple of minutes of pressing the gold-plated buzzer, I took out my skeleton keys. Well, there was a reason for Mike not answering the door. He was lying on the couch with a knife in his chest. I walked past Mike's body, went to Nick's office. Nick was lying on his stomach. The small automatic lay on the floor near his outstretched hand. A gun had been used on Nick. There were at least four slugs in him. Well, I thought, there goes my thousand pounds. My second thought was, call the cops. So I went to the living room and was reaching for the phone when... Ken! Sergeant Morgan! Well... Yeah, well... Hey, Sarge, a bloke on the couch. Look! They entered the room, went over to Mike's body. Detective Sergeant Morgan and Detective Slim Warner, both of homicide. Morgan had a quick look, turned to me. What happened, Kent? You know, I was just about to ask you the same question. Well, I'll ask the questions if you don't mind. Well, first answer one for me, Morgan, will you? Go ahead. How come you're here? We received a phone tip. Some shots were fired. When did you get the tip? Only a couple of minutes ago. Uh-huh. Dame? No, bloke. That's three questions I've answered. You're way past your quota. Yeah, 
You believe it or not, Morgan, I was going to phone you boys just as you opened the door. I'll reserve judgment on that. Hey, Sarge, this bloke's got a knife in him. It doesn't explain the shots. Oh, you'll go a long way, son. That's really clever deduction. Huh? Give out, Kent. You'll find Nick in his office. Watch, Kent, Slim. Right, Sarge. A few minutes later, Morgan was back. He had a pencil in the barrel of a thirty-eight revolver to keep his prints off the gun. This was under Nick's desk. But, Sarge, that... He was shot dead. Hmm. Kent? Yeah? What kind of a gun do you use? Why, uh, a thirty-eight. Like this one? Yeah. But mine's in my holster. Get it, Slim. Right. Morgan, you're not charging me with murder, are you? Now, let's say I'm taking you to headquarters for questioning. Get up, Kent. Take it easy, boy. I'm getting... Yeah, it's a thirty-eight, all right, Sergeant. Put it in your pocket. Right. I'll phone for the boys, then we'll go to headquarters. Sit down, Kent. Thanks. Uh, you can leave us alone, Cassidy. Right, sir. Now, for a heart-to-heart talk, Kent. Yeah, I could make a crack. Go ahead. Forget it. What's on your mind, Morgan? Two bodies, two murders. So? We got word through our fizz gigs a few days ago that you were working for Nick Stroller. Uh-huh. That's a bit out of your usual line, isn't it? Dough is dough. Nick intended skipping the country in his yacht two weeks from now. Yeah, I know. For weeks, Nick's solicitors have been selling his properties. Nick must have had quite a lot of cash in the flat. Maybe he did. But we can't find it. Our experts have gone over every square inch of that flat. You don't think I've got any of the money, do you, Morgan? No, no. Then why this low-pressure cross-examination? Because I... Oh. Morgan, homicide. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks. Kemp, this case has got me puzzled. Really puzzled. Seems to me that phone call added to your puzzlement. Yeah. That was from the fingerprint department. That gun I found under Nick's desk, it has your prints on it. You're kidding. No, Kent. Well, this is some schoolboy detective trick you're trying to pull on me. They're your prints. You know I don't pull smart little tricks, Kent. That's not how I operate. I can't figure... Yes, I can. I haven't been to my apartment for a week. I always keep a spare thirty-eight there. Yeah, that checks. Huh? I sent a man over to your flat. He didn't find a gun there, yet you're licensed for two. Also, your door showed signs of being jammed open. Wait a minute. Let's get this straight. Somebody stole that extra gun? I'll go along with you on that. And if somebody did steal your extra There's gun... only one reason. To frame me for the killing. Check. Now, the big question, why? To divert suspicion from the real murderer. Or, uh, murderess, Kent? Oh, I guess you know about Lydia Wilson, huh? We're not dumb. We've been checking on Nick Stroller for a long time now. You know that his car was burned to bits by a bomb. He didn't report the explosion to us, but you can't hide things like that. Naturally, the checks we made on Nick brought the girls to our attention. Have you checked on her background? Well, no, we had no reason to, till now. I sent a couple of men to get her, Kent. She's being held in one of the offices downstairs. Good. Morgan, correct me if I'm wrong, but the impression I've got is that you want to play ball with me and vice versa. That's right, Kent. Then maybe you'll listen to an idea I've got. Go right ahead. First of all, I'll need some light recording equipment. And do. Secondly, I'd like you to hold Lydia Wilson here for another couple of hours. Uh, I think I get it. But keep talking. I did. I told Sergeant Morgan exactly what was on my mind. 
When I was finished, he grinned. That's exactly the same idea I had, Ken. So we got started on it. Fifteen minutes later, I left police headquarters in a private car. A plainclothes man was driving. I had two suitcases with me. He left me off near Lydia's apartment buildings. I used the side entrance, walked up the fire steps to her floor. Her door lock was an easy skeleton key job. Inside, I hid the recording equipment and set it up. Then I looked around. What did I expect to find? A lot of dough, maybe. Nick Stroller's dough. But I didn't. The only article of interest I did find was a photograph. A photograph of a curly-haired, handsome guy. Scrolled across the lower right-hand corner was All My Love to You, Lydia, Joe, 1954. Mm-hmm. I sat down and waited. Finally... Hi. Oh, Larry. I flicked the little button that started the recording equipment moving. Locked doors don't seem to mean much to you, Larry. Well, I wanted to see you. The police were questioning you. Yeah, they talked to me, too. They told me that you found the bodies. Yeah. You don't seem broken up. Over Nick? <laughs> Yeah, but he was a good meal ticket. I couldn't stand him touching me anymore. Is uh, that why you arranged to have him killed? You're not serious, are you? You had somebody bust into my apartment and steal my extra gun, figuring my prints would be on it. Then you arranged to have me come here while your friend, or friends, knocked off Mike and Nick. After my gun was used on Nick, it was tossed under his desk, and the killer wore gloves. You're wrong. I can even name the guy working with you. Joe. Joe? Yeah, he's a good-looking guy, Lydia. You found the photograph? Yeah, here it is. But I knew about Joe before I found the photo. You're lying, Larry. You can't make me say I had anything to do with those murders because I didn't. When I asked you to come here that day, I, I was going to tell you how I felt about me. How I couldn't stand the sight of... or feel of him. That I was going to run away. But then I didn't know how far I could trust you. File away the stories, honey. I'm in a position to really hurt you. But I'll forget about gabbing to the cops if you cut me a nice slice of Nick Stroller's money. I don't know anything about any money. Can't you get it through your head that I don't have the slightest idea of who killed Nick? Well, I'll give you five minutes to make up your mind, honey. If you don't want to play ball with me, I'll go straight to the cops, tell them about Joe, and give them my opinion of what happened. I don't care what you do. And as for Joe... You don't know what you're talking about. She sat down, lit a cigarette, said nothing. Neither did I. But I was thinking, wondering what bluff I could try next. The five minutes were almost up when... Well, well. 
Now, who can that be? I haven't the slightest idea. Whoever it is, let him in. And listen, honey. I'll be holding this gun and I'll be standing behind those drapes. Now, don't try anything cute, huh? Get in. The guy pushed Lydia into the room. There was a gun in his hand. I fixed everything nicely, didn't I, sweet dear Lydia? Joe, it was you? Yes, me. Oh, I was clever, my sweet. I watched you and Nick Stroller. And then that Larry Kent. Yes, watched and planned. I broke into Kent's apartment, found an extra gun. Then I waited my chance. The big fellow I knifed so that Nick wouldn't be disturbed by shots. And then, back to Nick's office I went. The gun didn't seem to frighten him as much as my face. My face. Look into my face, Lydia. No. No. Help me, Larry. What? Drop the gun, Joe. Oh, no. I'll kill you too, Kent. The slug got him on the shoulder, spun him around. Call the cops, Lydia. Yes. Oh, wait. I, I, I want you to understand what happened, Kent. I think I do. Lydia and I were engaged. And then a year ago, I was in a car accident. Glass in my face, flames. Did this to me. Left me without a face. She couldn't even look at me when they put the bandages on. <laughs> she ran away, screaming. And I had to lay there for weeks. All I could think of was revenge. So you tried to frame me for the murder. Yeah, I thought she was falling for you. But it didn't work, so... Hey! Joe! This is the best way! Ah! story, Yeah. <laughs> Joe, poor twisted Joe, had a room in Paddington. There, the cops found the money he'd taken from Nick's stroller. The first two attempts on Nick's life? Well, we're assuming that Joe was responsible for them. And that's about it. Sorry, but somehow I've got nothing bright to say. So, good night. Welcome back. Well, Larry Kent hates crime, but not enough to make him refuse to work for a criminal. A paycheck is a paycheck, I guess. Although, I guess that doesn't make as good a title for a radio program. I did like the twist where Larry Kent guessed wrong based on his experience. You know, we've had so many episodes with the femme fatale being the one who did it or was in some way behind it. And he thought it was another case of that. But instead, it was the act of her ex who was acting alone after having been through a tragedy that left her at the very most, if not feeling regret, then certainly guilt about what she had done. 
And the realization for of that, uh, you know, had that subtle effect of him not having a clever remark at the end. So that was a nice little twist on the formula of the series. So a pretty good episode overall. All right, well, now it's time to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Daniel, Patreon supporter since March of 2020, currently supporting us at the uh, Seamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Daniel. And that will do it for today. I do encourage you to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. You can use your favorite software, including Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. Also, be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of I Hate Crime, but join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment when... I cannot serve you. I uh, didn't come here for food. I came for information. You, uh, Poppy Valdaire? Uh, oui, monsieur. I'd like to talk to you about one of your waitresses, a girl named Linya. Uh, I will handle this, Valdaire. Hmm? Oh, I didn't see you over there. If you wish to talk about Linya, you will talk to me. Really? Who are you? Lieutenant Ramat of the police. And you? Steve Mitchell. May I ask why you are interested in the girl, Linya? You may ask, Lieutenant, and I think these credentials of mine will answer your question. I see. I will be happy to cooperate with you, Mr. Mitchell. Thank you. Now, what can you tell me about the girl, Papa Valder? Oh, very little, Monsieur Linya. She was a good waitress and a very good girl. Oh, where'd she live? In a rooming house about a half hour's walk from this place. Here is the address. Well, thank you, Lieutenant. Uh, Linya walked home every night, huh? Yes, that is right, monsieur. Well, then it seems logical that somewhere on her route she passed the spot of Jackson's killing and witnessed it. I have investigated that. Linya could not possibly have arrived at the scene of the killing at the time when the killing took place. I walked off the distance myself. She could not have been closer than three blocks to it. Well, then I don't get it. Why did the killer take off after her? is most puzzling. It sure is. The only other answer is that Linya knows something that she doesn't realize she knows. That means I've got to find her before the killer does. Rangoon is a large city, Mitchell. Yeah, and we're not even sure she's still in Rangoon. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.